Wake up quick at about noon. Hope you had a fantastic weekend, and we welcome you in here to the Monday, July 27th edition of the podcast with Demi Barling here as part of the Be Heard podcast platform. We thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, and we thank you so much for listening and allowing us to be a part of your day. Sacramento Kings were in action over the weekend. Actually, there's quite a bit of... Uh, we've got NBA news, we've got strip clubs, we've got quarantines, we've got new coaches, we've got the NFL and the NFL Players Association coming together. We've got a great story coming out of Washington. I repeat, that was not a, a misstep on my part. We have a great story coming out of Washington, D.C. I'm serious. We'll have that for you. Jamal Adams finally traded. The WNBA got underway this weekend. Uh, we will cover all of that. Uh, but we'll start with your Sacramento Kings, and we're going to keep it kind of generic. You see that I'm posting here a little bit earlier than normal because, you know, we've got a 1 o'clock game today. We've got the third and final scrimmage game for the Sacramento Kings, and I realize some of you may be listening to this after the game as opposed to before it. So I'll keep the conversation about the Kings in their weekend a little bit generic, but it is worth pointing out. Uh, Kings played this weekend, 930 start on Saturday, 131-123 loss to Milwaukee. That's not really a big deal. What is a big deal is the fact that uh, De'Aaron Fox was back out there on the floor. Uh, that 7-10 that day reevaluation period was a 7-10 day uh, all systems go uh, for De'Aaron, and he played in three quarters, played about 15-16 minutes, and I mean, he looks solid. Is you know, one thirty one, one twenty three. If you didn't see the game, it it wasn't that close. Uh, it, it was it was an interesting game. It was interesting in the sense that it was a nine thirty Pacific Standard Time start. Even you know, on the East Coast, that's an early start. That's a twelve thirty start, and both teams played like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They played like it. They, you know, they were still rubbing the sleep out of their eyes through the first five six minutes, and then all of a sudden there was an offensive explosion midway through the first quarter. And there was another offensive explosion midway through the second quarter. Just unfortunately, in that second uh, scoring explosion, it was only the Milwaukee Bucks who are participating and not necessarily the Sacramento Kings. Uh, but again, there are good and bad uh, to take away from, from, from this second scrimmage game. Uh, but we'll start with the best. There's, I guess there's the good, the bad, and the best. And the best is the fact that De'Aaron Fox uh, was back out there on the floor, and he discussed it with the media postgame. I mean, it was all about getting out there, uh, getting reps, getting game feel. Um, you know, I wasn't really expecting anything to be tonight, but uh, I wanted this game just to, you know, be my first, you know, glimpse at action and uh, make those adjustments next game. And then after that, you know, that, that first game, I, I know I'll be ready for it. I don't know, like, if somebody is, like, moving a pickup truck behind Aaron. I, they've got to come up with a better system. Like, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this through, you know, meaningful games, particularly into the playoffs, they've got to get these guys a microphone. They're just sitting. I, I'm sure, you know, some of you who are on social media regularly, you've kind of seen the setup. They're basically sitting in front of a giant television screen. But instead of seeing the reporters, they're just seeing themselves, which is why if you go watch the video, they're all looking away. They're never looking directly in front of them because otherwise they would just be staring at themselves in the television screen. If, you're, if we're going the computer route, why not just put the reporters up on the screen so there could be you know, nonverbal cues and eye contact and different things like that? And maybe that's dumb. But if nothing else, can we get the brother a microphone? 
Can we get, you know, the players and the coaches who are going to be doing these for the next couple of weeks, can we get them a microphone so it just doesn't, it, so, so it doesn't sound so poor? There's got to be a way that we can do this. Oh, wait a minute. I just realized why you can't do that. Because you can't have guys sharing the microphone. Well, damn. Hey, you know what? I could just edit this out. I won't. But I could. Okay, I get it. I get why you can't have a microphone. Pretend I didn't say anything. Let's move along. Let's hear what uh, Luke Walton had to say about De'Aaron Fox being back. Very, very encouraging, both having De'Aaron Fox back on the floor and uh, and the total number of turnovers. And so, we, you know, we knew De'Aaron hasn't played in a while, uh, and a big part of getting him out there today was just trying to, uh, you know, get, get his body and his feet under him again. Uh, so it was great having him out there. And... Uh, as far as the turnovers, that was probably uh, probably the highlight of the game for me was our, our total number of, of, of turnovers. So some guys do the postgame interview with a mask on. Uh, De'Aaron pulled his down last week when we heard from Buddy Heald. Uh, he pulled his down as well. I haven't really been monitoring what other teams have been doing. I'm, I've seen a handful. I know a lot of – I don't know. It, it can't be a league mandate to have the mask on because some guys are – are taking it off, but um, this, this, it'll be, I wonder how much media has changed. I don't want to get off topic too much, but I, I wonder if, you know, like, a, you know, if when you're a media person and you, you cover a team, uh, for example, when you're a, a, a Jason Jones and a James Ham and, and a Sean Cunningham and, you know, Elena Washington and all those people, I wonder like if you're, I wonder if COVID-19 is, is, is changing the way sports media is. I wonder if we'll ever go back to the days and it, you know, it, it feels so, so far away. But if life ever returns to normal, I wonder if we'll ever go back to the days where there's a media scrum, right? And there's, you know, LeBron James standing in the middle and 50 reporters surrounding him at the NBA Finals. I wonder if that's, that's ever a thing. Media Day, which that's not what it's called anymore. It's called something else. Um, Opening night, I think, is what it's called. It's a Super Bowl. I think that's what it's called. It's, it's, it's something stupid. They changed it from media day to something dumber because they had to acknowledge that the people that they're letting in to be a part of this event aren't a part of the media. Uh, but, like, I wonder if that's dead. Like, it, it, it's certainly not going to happen this year. Uh, but I wonder if that's just a, a thing that is that is gone. Um, obviously, having De'Aaron out there on the floor for the game against Milwaukee was, was fantastic. Uh, the quick return is fantastic. Um, again, more pluses to take away. Uh, Kent Bazemore had another really, really solid outing. As a matter of fact, there were a couple of players in Kings uniforms that I thought had really good outings. Kent Bazemore was one. Um, Corey Brewer uh, was another. Harry uh, Harry Giles wasn't uh, Harry Giles wasn't quite as good. I thought Harry Giles was really good in the first scrimmage game. Uh, not quite as good in the second, though. That's completely understandable, given that they're going against a, a team that very well, may likely just knock teams out on their way to the NBA Finals. And I'm not talking TKO. I'm talking Tyson mid-80s. I'm talking first round. Like, they're going to be clobbering teams, and it's probably an overreaction as they're the last team that I've seen uh, that wasn't the Sacramento Kings or the last NBA team that I've seen that wasn't the Sacramento Kings. And, man, they looked so good. And they didn't even have Bledsoe. As deep... Lopez brothers scored like I think a combined thirty three points. Kyle Corver had twenty two, and Bledsoe didn't even play. 
Ooh, this team is good. Kent Bazemore is good, too. He's been good since the moment he put on a Kings uniform, and he knows one of the shortcomings that the Kings had. So we talked about the good and the bad, right? We talked about the good, the bad, and the best. The best is the fact that De'Aaron Fox is back. And I guess the best is also uh, Harrison Barnes is in Orlando. Finally, after a very uh, lengthy quarantine period, uh, Harrison Barnes has returned. Uh, Luke Walton spoke about that yesterday after practice. He said regarding Harrison, today was a non-contact day for us with tomorrow's game being at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, but and tomorrow being today. Uh, but we have him playing some three-on-three. We have him playing some four-on-four right now uh, since practice has officially kind of ended. Uh, that's a quote from Luke Walton. He continues, uh, he looks good. We'll see how he feels tomorrow, and if he feels well, we'll try to get him out there a little bit in that Clipper game. So we may see Harrison Barnes today. Again, if you're listening to this after the game, my sincerest apologies. But uh, Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes, uh, both likely uh, to see minutes uh, in today's Clipper game. So we will uh, obviously talk about this game in its entirety uh, tomorrow uh, here on the podcast. But the best, the good, and the bad. Defense is still a bit of an issue for the Sacramento Kings, particularly three-point defense. Kent Bazemore, who had an outstanding game, wasn't concerned. Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, it's it's, it's something that, you know, we got to kind of learn. And and being on a young team, um, as we go through these games and as we watch film, um, you know, we'll do a better job of adjusting. But uh, that's a great team. I mean, the lineups and, you know, I played for Coach Bud and, um, you know, he, he has his guys in the right spots playing with space. And, um, you know, Brooke Lopez and, and Ryan Lopez kind of hurt us tonight. I mean, I think you take away half of their threes. We're right there in the game. So um, you got to give them credit. Um, you know, we, we fought back in the second half and had a chance there at the end. Yeah, the Kings did. They, they absolutely did fight back after being down. I think it was 80 to 60 at halftime. Uh, they got within they got within striking distance a couple of times. Um, and, and again, you know, 131-123, it really wasn't that close. They they chipped away at the lead about three-quarters of the way through the third quarter, and then it, it just, like, it, it you never felt like they were going to make a real run at the game. It was something that you never felt like uh, Milwaukee was going to lose complete control of. But, again, what does it matter? Probably nothing. Um, I take far more good out of this game. Again, this if this was, I would have been a little bit more frustrated if this game was against the Blazers or, you know, the Suns or the Spurs or, or one of those teams that's more in their more in their demographic, if you will. The Milwaukee Bucks are not in their demographic. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are very much out of their league. And, you know, in defense of the Kings, the Milwaukee Bucks are out of just about everybody's league. And it remains to be seen uh, how many more teams uh, that is the case for. Maybe it's going to be the Lakers. Maybe it's going to be the Clippers. Maybe there is a team in the... Eastern Conference can give that that can give them a run. I'm really looking forward uh, to the Eastern Conference playoffs. If you want more uh, conversation on this game and this game alone, you can check out the latest episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast uh, on the Hoopball Podcast Network. I was again joined by Sanjay Singh of the Kings Herald, uh, and we had fun. We recorded it immediately following the game, and we just had fun talking about uh, what we saw. So, if for some reason you want a great deal of discussion on the game with the Milwaukee Bucks, you can go check that out over on the Sacramento Kings podcast network. So, or on the Hoopball podcast network, the Sacramento Kings podcast. I got to, too many podcast networks going on here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kidding. You can never have too many podcast networks, nor can you ever have too many podcasts. 
I just recommend you keep keep starting podcasts. Uh, what I don't recommend you do is leave the bubble and go to a strip club because apparently that is what Lou Williams did. Lou Williams has been grounded for 10 days. He is on a 10-day quarantine after the Los Angeles Clippers guard was investigated by the league for what he did while on an excused absence from Orlando. Social media is going to be the death of professional athletes. Social media may very well be the death of many of us. You see, somebody had the brilliant idea to post a picture of Lou Williams out at the strip club uh, in Atlanta. I believe it was Magic City in Atlanta. All media was having fun with this one. Magic City in the ATL. Couldn't resist. Had to go. Now, in Lou Williams' defense, in the picture posted by Jack Harlow, the rapper, he was wearing a mask. Now, Harlow deleted the picture. And it was posted on his Instagram story. And then he tweeted this gem. That was an old pic of me and Lou. I was just reminiscing because I missed him. Oh, it's cute. One problem, Jack. Uh, Lou Williams was, he was drinking in the photo. No big deal. He allowed to have a drink. He was wearing an NBA mask. When I say mask, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like the, the, the mask that we have to wear when we go out in public now. Because... The apocalypse is here. He was wearing an NBA mask that was given out to players in Orlando. So I don't know how old the picture was, but it wasn't more than a couple of days old. Uh, Lou Williams had to be interviewed by NBA security about his whereabouts while he was away from campus, and he told them that he went to the Magic City Strip Club in Atlanta for a short time. He was just, there were no entertainers. There, were no entertain- there was no dancing. He was just there to get food. Because I guess the strip club has great food. Who doesn't go to a strip club to eat? Now, I share everything with you guys. Strip clubs have never been my thing. I went decades ago. Like, like It was one of those things you do when you're like 18. Like, okay, this is dumb. None of these girls want nothing to do to me, so I don't, I don't want to see them naked. Get it? I can tell you this, though. Touring Sacramento's local establishments. Uh, I don't recall food being a part of the process. Now, strip clubs in Atlanta, that's an entirely different conversation. But I can tell you, I can't imagine the sentence ever coming out of my mouth. Yo, let's go to the strip club and eat. Like, who goes to the strip club to get a snack? Or to get dinner? Does the strip club have brunch? Like, sun, you know, brunch is weird. Like, how do you determine what, like, it's, it's like, is it, like, how do you determine brunch? Like, I like, like 10 to 2. Like, if it's 945, it's breakfast. If it's 215, it's lunch. But if you can get in there about 145 or 1020, it's brunch. Are there designated brunch hours? And is Magic City open for brunch? I feel like this is a Jason Jones question, and I'd be willing to bet Jason Jones knows the answer to it. If Magic City is open for brunch, I am going to investigate this, and I'm going to find out. 
And I'm going to find someone, and I, given the way social media reacted, I don't think I'm going to have to look too hard. I'm going to find someone who has gone to Magic City to eat. I'm going to find somebody who maybe has gone to Magic City specifically to eat. That's what Lou Williams said he did. He tweeted, ask any of my teammates, what's my favorite restaurant in Atlanta? Ain't nobody partying. Chill out. LOL. Hashtag. Mask on. Hashtag. In and out. Are there a lot of dual strip clubs and restaurants? Is it a restaurant at the same time it's a strip club? Is it is like the restaurant downstairs and the strip club upstairs? Like, I need answers. Because I genuinely don't know. And I'm kind of fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by this. and I'm fascinated by the entire prospect that Lou Williams was at the strip club, but not for the strippers. I know there are thighs and breast jokes in here somewhere, but did he just show up for wings? There's the chicken. Did he show up like, do they got a mean omelet? Oh man, he left to go to a funeral. By the way, um, apparently the uh, uh, the, the father of a, a close friend passed away, and that's that's why that's the the, the absence he was on. Uh, many of you know Patrick Beverly. Uh, he was he was out as well. A number member of the the, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, he's returned uh, to Orlando after leaving on a uh, family emergency uh, last week. Uh, I don't believe he was at a strip club though. If so, I'm sure somebody tweeted a picture of it, and we'll find out. Sure, sh- sure enough, soon enough. Uh, Zion Williamson is returned. I think we talked about that. I can't. Sometimes on Mondays I lose track of like what happened on Friday and what happened on Thursday. Like what we might have talked about on Friday, and then what happened, you know, like like later. I, I think this story came out Friday. The Knicks and, and Tom Thibodeau are finalizing a five year deal. Thibs uh, will be the Knicks' fourteenth head coach since nineteen ninety nine. Congratulations to the Sacramento Kings. That is the most in the NBA. And I don't care what anybody says about the Sacramento Kings. I know how inept our front office has been. I know how inept the ownership has been. I know what we had to deal with when we got rid of the, the, the last group of owners. I get all of that. But there is very little, if anything, you can do to convince me that the New York Knicks aren't the worst-run organization in professional sports. Since 2000, we've had Jeff Van Gunny. We've had Don Cheney. We've had Lenny Wilkins. We've had Herb Williams, Larry Brown, Isaiah Thomas. We've had Mike D'Antoni. We've had Mike Woodson. We've had Derek Fisher, Kurt Rambis, Jeff Hornacek. We've had David Fisdale, Mike Miller, and now Tom Thibodeau. Those are the head coaches for your New York Knicks. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard this before. But the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. I'm not sure the last time you were fed this crock of crap line. But the NBA is so much. The NBA has just been awful without the New York Knicks, hasn't it? It's just been terrible. It's almost unwatchable without the New York Knicks being good. And if there is one thing that is guaranteed to bring excitement back to the Mecca 
of basketball. In the world's most famous arena. Oh, yeah, it's Tom Thibodeau. Because can you name a coach more exciting than Thibs? Now, I'm sure all of you can sense my very early morning sarcastic sarcasm here. Uh, but let's look at this. Five seasons with the Chicago Bulls. Five playoff appearances. And a win percentage of 647. Tom Thibodeau. Three seasons with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Win percentage, 475. Playoff appearances, one. They won one game in that appearance in the playoffs. Now, let's look a little bit deeper. 2007-2008, that was his first year as a Celtics assistant. Probably worth pointing out, that was also the first year of Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. It was widely acknowledged, even by Doc Rivers himself, that Tom Thibodeau was the defensive coordinator as such for the Boston Celtics. This is the team that made Thibs a made man. Helped the team win an NBA record 42 more games than they had the prior year. Again, it is worth pointing out, this is the first year of the modern original Big Three with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen in 2010-11. As he bided his time waiting for the perfect job, he took over the Chicago Bulls coach, or as the Chicago Bulls head coach. 21-game win increase. 21 wins over what they were the year before. Finished number one, finished in the number one seed in that, that season. They, they lost uh, to LeBron James in the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think it's a fair argument. Had Derek, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that Chicago Bulls team was so good that year. And Derrick Rose was arguably the most, or certainly one of the most exciting players in the league. You could make a strong argument about what could have and should have happened had Derrick Rose not gotten hurt. And it probably ends with Chicago winning the NBA championship. But regardless, they didn't. Never got close again. But first season, 21-game turnaround. Didn't quite have the same success that first year in Minnesota as he did as the assistant for the Celtics and as the head coach for the Chicago Bulls. But in his second season as the Timberwolves head coach, he led the team to a 16-win improvement in their only playoff appearance since the 2004 Western Conference Finals. He does have a history with the New York Knicks. He was an assistant coach in 1996-97 and again uh, in 2002-2003. Making the playoffs in each of his first five seasons, including uh, that Knicks trip to the finals. So Thibs is back on the sideline. Interesting, interesting, interesting. They got a young roster. Oh, and they're already talking about, I have said this, and I will continue to say it until I am wrong, which I believe will be never. 
No free agent of consequence. Not Giannis, not LeBron, not anybody of that tier one ilk will ever sign with a team owned by James Dolan. Never, never. I will go Dan Schneider on your ass and say, put it in all caps. Never. Dan Schneider was an egomaniac who was wrong. I'm just right about this. There's no way anybody of consequence in the NBA is ever going to play for James Dolan. Now, with all of that said, you know what one thing veteran players, particularly superstars, the ilk of Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, those tier one players, you know what they dislike even more than punk-ass owners like James Dolan, is a coach that is going to run their ass into the ground. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you the coach that is going to run your young and old players alike into the ground. I will never forget an episode of The Lowdown we did very, very early in the season. And we talked to one of the Timberwolves, Horton, I believe he's a play-by-play guy for, 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 for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And there were already rumblings about, this was early in the season, there were already rumblings about the way Tom Thibodeau was practicing players. There were already rumblings about how many days in a row that they were practicing and how long those practices were. Thibs is not a player's coach. Not that you have to be. I think you've got to have a fine combination of the two. I think Spolstra, Eric Spolstra, great example. I've been praising him a lot lately. I'll continue to praise him. I think he is a perfect combination of both. He's very stern. He drives his point home as the head coach, but I also think he is relatable to players. I don't know that Tom Thibodeau is relatable to anybody. Remember when they put Thibs on TV? Woohoo! Yikers Island. That did not go well. Also, speaking of former coaches that have been put on television, is Dave Yeager just never coaching again? Like, has anybody, because sometimes what happens in situations similar to Dave's is maybe your time as a head coach. Like, you look at um, Mike Brown. Mike Brown's a great example. Lionel Hollins, another great example. And I wonder if this is the route that David Fisdale is going to wind up in. Where, all right, they got their run as the head coach. Didn't really work out. And then they became, you know, Mike Brown, lead assistant. Lana Hollins, lead assistant. You see these guys getting lead assistant positions. Again, I mentioned David Fisdale. I wonder what's going to happen with him. Uh, Whether it's this offseason. I don't know that much is going to happen this offseason or maybe next offseason. Is Dave Yeager's career just over? Like, what is Dave Yeager doing right now? Not that he needs to do anything. I'm sure he's... Hell, the Kings might still be paying him. I don't know. I don't think so. But they might be. Come to think of it, they are, aren't they? Is this Luke Walton's first year? It is Luke Walton's first year. Oh, Dave Yeager ain't got to do nothing. God, this year's feel like it's been an eternity. It's the longest NBA season, like literally and figuratively ever. But is Dave Yeager's career done? Like, uh, Is there going to be any interest in him? I feel like, you know, and part of this, this is my fault. This is this is the, the 
the brain fart, just like the, the microphone thing earlier. I keep thinking that, that we're coming off of an offseason, and we're not. We're not coming off an, of, of an offseason. Now, granted, it is an offseason for the uh, for the Knicks because they're done. Um, but, you know, for, for the other, you know, for, for eight teams, I guess, in the league, it's, it's the offseason for uh, 22 of them. Uh, it is not. So the Knicks got their guy. A couple of other NBA notes. Joel Embiid, he missed yesterday's uh, scrimmage against the Oklahoma City Thunder with tightness in his right cap. Boy, tightness is really circulating. I mean, Clayton Kershaw had some tightness in his back. Joel Embiid has some tightness in his calf. Interesting. Like, how do you, how do you, hey, hey, what's, what's wrong? Like, does it hurt? No, it's just tight. Hmm. Okay. Well, foam roll, bro, or stretch or something. Well, then it hurts. Well, then the issue probably isn't tightness. But nonetheless, uh, Joel Embiid uh, missed Sunday's game. That's, Again, because of the, the situation in the Philadelphia 70, it's, it's worth paying attention to. Uh, it's worth monitoring, monitoring, easy for me to say, uh, to see if that tightness goes away. I feel like there are all sorts. I just feel like there are jokes all over this show today. Uh, that's what I get for, for going at it this early. Um, what else do we got here? NFL, hey! Some good news out of the NFL. I'm, I'm completely baffled. Can't lie. I don't get it. It's it's it doesn't normally go this smoothly, and I have to be missing something. I will present to you what I have. You tell me if I'm. You tell me what I'm missing because I'm obviously missing something. Nine one six eight 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 fifty eight ninety eight. You know that's the twenty four seven text line. I don't do a good enough job of giving that phone number out. Nine one six eight 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 fifty eight ninety eight. You could text me. It comes directly to my phone. I might as well have just given you my cell phone number. It's the exact same thing. Or social media at Damian Barling across the variety of platforms. So the NFL and the NFL Players Association have agreed on all of the outstanding items necessary to start training camp on time, which, oh, by the way, starting on time is tomorrow. They agreed on everything from a health and economic standpoint. Okay, wait a minute. What's the catch? Well, let's see here. What is the catch? I know what it is. Remember how they wanted uh, an acceleration period, that, or not an acceleration, like a, like an acclimation period, like they wanted to get comfortable and had a ha, have a, 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 a slow acceleration, a ramp up, if you will. No way they got that. No, they did. They're going to go through a two-week ramp up period. They negotiated that in hopes of, uh, minimizing injury from from having virtually, uh, you know, no off-season, like they had no off-season, you know, in-person training. Like all of their training was done, you know, through computers and on Zoom and all of that different stuff. Uh, there would be just over a week of strength and conditioning followed by five days of non-padded practices. The first padded practice could occur August 17th with a maximum of 14 padded practices before the start of the regular season. Okay. So the NFL Players Association, that's a thumbs up for them. And it seems like a win for the NFL. 
as well, though I'm sure coaches want to go out there and clobber each other all that they want to. They got to realize this is the, you know, the safer route to go in that you want to protect your players because you, you, you don't want anything to happen to them. You want to go out there and win ball games. All right. What do we got here? Oh, what about if they don't want to show up? What happens then? Because, you know, this year is different. Uh, there is an increased health risk. Brain damage didn't get you. Boy, that didn't deter anybody from playing football. But damn it, you get this virus. Oh, that seems to, that could deter people from showing up to training camp. Well, what happens if you don't show up? What happens if, not just training camp, what happens if you don't show up for the season? Do you get paid? Do you lose a, uh, uh, a, an occurred year? No. You do get paid. You get paid um, if you are deemed by doctors as high risk, you'll get $350,000 for the season and you'll get an occurred year. And for those who don't understand why that's important, it has to do with free agency. Uh, it has to do with, you know, a year on your contract. It has to do with pension. There are a lot of reasons why, why not losing uh, a, pen- a potential season under your belt is extremely important. Well, what if you're not high risk, but you're not comfortable showing up? What do you get? Do you get anything? Can't you get nothing, right? Nope, you do. You get 150000 So you still get a paycheck, no matter what. You still get a paycheck. What is the catch? Well, how about this? The NFL agreed to keep the 2020 salary cap intact, and the salary cap right now is $198.2 million. $198.2 million per team, even though revenues are projected to drop between 3 and $4 billion because of the fact that they won't have any, well, they'll have a, I don't, I don't know how to say this part. I guess it depends on what state you're in and how stupid your governor is. Some cities will not have any fans. Apparently, some cities will have some fans. Bottom line is 16 games across 32 teams for an NFL season, those aren't going to be sold out. Or anything remotely close to it, and some of them are going to be taking place in completely empty stadiums. No matter how far revenues fall this year, they've already agreed to a $170 million floor for 2021. So it won't fall any lower. No matter what happens, it won't fall any lower than $170 million next year. That's the, at minimum, that is the salary cap next year. Man. That is not bad. The losses after that would be spread out over the next four seasons. I'm missing something. I just don't know what it is. I have read Florio's articles. I have read Dan Graziano's articles. I have read uh, different ESPN stats and info things that I get. I have to be missing something. Because quite honestly, it feels like a win for the NFL Players Association for sure. But I'm not sure what the negative is for the NFL owners. Because if the NFL owner's argument was, well, we don't want to spread, you know, the potential loss of revenue over the course of the next four seasons. We want to absorb it all at once. That's dumb because you're cutting the cap. You're cutting your cap. You don't want to do that. No, granted, everyone's cap would cut. It's like we were talking about 
you know, with Jason Jones when we were talking about the Sacramento Kings. The NBA salary cap is going to fall, but every, you know, it's not just the Kings. It's not just like the Kings that are going to be in this uh, conundrum, if you will, with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like every team is going to have the same exact issue. The salary cap is going to drop. The NFL, I'm, I feel like the NFL and the NFL Players Association conducted themselves like adults. I, I, I'm missing something. I don't know what it is. I know what you're missing, though. You're missing out on the uh, Don is Dope t-shirt. That's what, that's what you're missing out. You're missing out on the dopeones.com. You're missing out on all of the great gear that we've got over at thedopeones.com. Go check that out, uh, thedopeones.com. We've got the More Than a Podcast t-shirt. We've got the Be Heard t-shirt. We've got all sorts of great stuff over there, thedopeones.com. Check out the rest of the collections that they got as well. Check out the tributes to Kobe Bryant and Nipsey Hussle. Check out the tributes to the 90s. Check out the tributes to the 80s. You could get, I've got the Whitney Houston t-shirt. I've got the Lisa Bonet t-shirt. I've got one of the Tupac t-shirts. I got the Felicia Rashad t-shirt. I got so many of these Dope Ones t-shirts, man. You've got to go check them out thedopeones.com and while you're there you can check out their podcast here on the be heard podcast platform it is called the dope ones let's go check that out i think you'll uh, really dig it i'm going to be making an appearance on that podcast uh here very shortly we mentioned that there was a great story coming out of washington dc there is a great story coming out of washington dc that pertains to the Washington football team. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. There is no way what I'm saying is accurate. But it is. And it has to do with Alex Smith. Alex Smith has somehow been cleared to resume football activities. If you watch that, uh, what was I was going to call it 60 for 60. The E60 report. Woo! Man! That, one, it was something. That was something. And, two, that was something to watch. Do not watch it while eating dinner. Uh, maybe don't watch it while the kids are around. Like, it is graphic. And to think, if you watched that, six, that E60 report, there is no way the images of Alex Smith's leg have left your brain. If you saw them once, they are going to be burned there forever. And think, that dude, that dude's leg who looked like that, that looked like that, has been told, oh, fam, you good. You can go play football. Man, sorry to... Exhale that heavily into the microphone. That's bad business. My goodness. And if you have not seen it, go out of your way to see it. You'll have a whole new appreciation uh, for Alex Smith. You'll have a whole new appreciation of what he went through. Now, with that said, we know that Ron Rivera is there. We know that Dwayne Haskins is there. We know that somebody here may or may not have said that Dwayne Haskins is going to be the best quarterback in the draft that he was taken out of. Maybe one of us 
is unwilling to admit that they were wrong about that yet. But I do pose this question to you. Could Alex Smith win the starting job from Dwayne Haskins? I mean, this is a difficult offseason for Dwayne Haskins, and I know he's amped up and he's puffing his chest out on social media. He's ready to go. He's ready to play. That's awesome. You want to see that from the quarterback. You want to see that from all of your players. It's easy. But it's it's one thing to kind of like posture and pop your chest out. It's another thing to, to, to beat a guy who the last time he was on the football field, he was playing really, really well. And to go back even further, the last time he played an entire season, he was phenomenal. Three years ago, Alex Smith threw for 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and five interceptions. He hasn't had more than eight interceptions in a season since 2010. Which, one, that amplifies how great Patrick Mahomes is. Two, it amplifies how much they believed in Patrick Mahomes. That you let a guy who threw for 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and five interceptions you sent him off to Washington. Thankfully, he got that massive contract extension. Tragically, he suffered that horrible injury, and then miraculously, he's back here. Could he win the starting job from Dwayne Haskins? I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I, I actually... After seeing that document, I don't want Alex Smith to play again. Because I would just be mortified if anything ever happened to him again. I mean, I mean, as would he. But I would just really prefer he never play again. And it would be great if, you know, after watching that, that E60 thing, and it kind of ends with, you know, he hasn't ruled out play. He's not willing to give up on the thought of playing football. It's like, all right. Like, okay, cool. My hope was he'd get the message that he got this weekend that says, Alex Smith is cleared to resume football activities. And then he gets out there and he throws a little bit. He shows up at camp and then he goes, hey, I did it. I quit. I'm done. I've got an injury guarantee of such and such amount of dollars. I'm out. But thank you for the opportunity. I'm glad I was able to prove myself. I needed a goal. And I think a lot of guys, when they're injured, they, they, they need a goal. And for some guys, it's to, you know, this is what we talk about with Marvin Bagley. When you're dealing with injury after injury, like it's one thing, your first setback, right? It's okay. I just got, man, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to come back. I'm going to be better than ever. Okay, Marvin Bagley has a second setback, but it's kind of a freak one, right? Like he hurts his hand in the first game. Like, ah, okay. Well, I just got to heal up because I already put all of the work in. I'm ready to go. I just got to heal up. And once I get healed, boy, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to put in work. And then you get another injury. And it's like, oh, crap. Now I just need to get healthy because the season's already going on. I need to hurry up and get healthy so I can get back in the lineup. Your, your, your goals start to shift, right? Your goals start to become different. What is Alex Smith's goal? Again, my hope was Alex Smith's goal was to get the message that he got this weekend. Dude, you did it. You are cleared to resume your football career. And right after that press release goes out, he quits and retires. And maybe he still will. But the weird thing about 
Washington is the point that I just made. You've got a new coach coming in, and Alex Smith has a chance just to get his job back. And it's mind-boggling to think about. And every offensive lineman on that damn roster better do everything they can to protect Alex Smith. That offensive line should have to sit down and watch that E60 report. Say, gentlemen, you are protecting this man for 60 minutes, 16 times a week, or 16 times a year. Hopefully more, if you're the Washington team. I don't know, we'll see. But obviously this is great news for Alex, Alex Smith. Just an extraordinary accomplishment on his part. Great news for Jamal Adams. Great news for the Seattle Seahawks. And great news for the Seattle Seahawks fans. Uh, Jamal Adams has long wanted out of uh, the New York Jets. And uh, now he has gotten his wish. Uh, he is off to join Russell Wilson Uh, In Seattle, the deal includes multiple uh, first-round picks. Of course, Jamal Adams was a first-team All-Pro selection in 2019. Uh, Boy can go. We've got some next-gen stats here. Um, He created first pressure on 47 plays. Uh, He had the second-most run stuffs among a defensive back. Again, these are uh, next-gen stats, and he might be the next-gen of the Legion of Boom. Like, you get this guy in there and you start building around him, oh, yeah, you're in good shape. And I love Seattle. I think Seattle is always, you know, I thought heading into last year, uh, Seattle was was terribly disrespected. Find me a better division. Sorry. Find me a better potential division than the NFC West. Cardinals on the come up a little bit, right? You got to believe the Cardinals on the come up just a little bit. Especially with Kyler Murray there entering his second year now. Is he going to have a great second year? Or are we going to get the Baker Mayfield-like second year? Are we going to see the next evolution of Kyler Murray? Or are we going to see the regression of Kyler Murray? What about the San Francisco 49ers? They were, they were right there on the cusp of being the Super Bowl champions. What is their bounce back like? The Los Angeles Rams. I don't know what to think about the Los Angeles Rams, but they've got a lot of high-priced talent on their team, and they're supposed to be good. And then you've got Seattle. Who wins the division right now? you got to tell me. Who wins the NFC West? Rams, 49ers, Seahawks? I don't think it's the Cardinals. I think that would be a little, little bit much, but it's a good get. It's a good get for Seattle. Uh, he's been, Jamal Adams, been one of the best defensive backs uh, since joining the league in 2017. And uh, it was, I mean, they, they, you know, Seattle paid for it. You know, they paid for it. And you got to imagine that they have at least had discussions about a contract extension for Jamal Adams because you don't give up multiple first-round picks. And you know the currency for the first round. That is gold. That is That is like platinum-sprinkled diamond gold. That's a thing. You don't, you don't give those up. Uh, you certainly don't give it up for someone that you, you have not at least had a conversation about parameters for a contract extension. Uh, so Seattle continues to try to get better. Um, the, uh, another note about... So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of 
There's a bunch of stuff out there regarding, you know, while we're still on the NFL, we're, we're, we're going to stay here for just a minute. There, there are, there's going to be a, like a modified reserved COVID-19 list. I think we talked about that before. And like in, in, in basketball, I think on the box score, we're going to see, uh, I think Shams tweeted yesterday, NWT, like not with team. And that's, that's probably, that's going to be something that's COVID related. We talked about the three-week, you know, kind of IR slash COVID-19 list that the NFL is going to implement. According to the NFL Network, six NFL players uh, were added to that list yesterday. Um, NFL players, here's another provision or note coming out of the negotiations um, a couple of days ago. NFL players who contract the coronavirus through high-risk activity. Lou Williams. NFL players who contract the coronavirus through high-risk activity away from team facilities can face team discipline and may even be at risk of not getting paid. It sounds like you could hit that COVID-19 list. I think what they might do is create a COVID-19 slash suspension list in which you're out three weeks and you don't get paid as opposed to the COVID-19 IR list uh, in which you do get paid. A memo sent by the NFL Players Association to agents this weekend, a copy of which was obtained by ESPN, outlines several rules governing player contracts as well as the opt-out provisions that we spoke about uh, just a few mem- minutes ago. Uh, the memo says the final language of Friday's agreement uh, is still being negotiated, but uh, there's going to be a summary of aspects as it pertains to COVID-19. And one of them is, if you do something stupid, and I'm paraphrasing here, if you do something stupid and you put yourself in a bad position and you contract this virus, you, you're going to end up with a lot more than being on the COVID-19 list. Or I guess in this case, you're going to wind up with a lot less because now you're at risk of not getting paid. That has to be something that the Players Association agrees to, but that has to be something that agents pound into the skull of their players. You've got 17 weeks. You cannot put yourself and your teammates and your family, quite honestly, at risk by doing something stupid for 17 weeks. Just get through the 17 weeks. What a great, like, just... <sighs> July is normally purgatory. You know, normally, actually, you know, we're, what we're waiting for is training camp. Like, we've, we have dealt with Multiple drafts. I believe the NBA draft would be over. Uh, NBA free agency would have been earlier this 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 month. Uh, we would be outside of that. We would be waiting for training camp to start, the NFL training camp. We would be waiting for uh, the Hall of Fame game. Baseball wouldn't be interesting just yet, but we would be getting closer. Man, we had basketball this weekend. Granted, it was scrimmaging. It didn't really matter. We had regular season baseball. Saw the A's. Saw the A's go to extra innings. Saw the A's beat the Angels a couple of times. Yankees got some wins over the reigning defending champions. We had the WNBA get underway. 
I watched I I watched like four or five WNBA games this weekend. I watched the Sparks, uh, the Sparks and the Mercury. I wanted to see me some Diana Taurasi. She didn't shoot particularly well, uh, but Diana's always going to be one of my favorite. The Sparks, their stars came. Simone Augustus is there. Her first year with Los Angeles. Uh, Neka Ogumake is there. Uh, Chanae's got another job title now, so she's not playing with the Sparks, but Neka's still there, and she can go. Uh, Simone can go. Candace Parker is in the bubble. They were able to beat the Mercury by 23. Uh, the defending champion, Washington Mystics, even though there was no Elena Deladon, there was no Tina Charles. They still put up 100 points against the Indiana Fever. Uh, the Storm, uh, we saw Sabrina's debut. Uh, Brianna Stewart, we saw her first game after returning from an Achilles injury. She reminded me, along with everybody else who was watching that game, what a phenomenal player uh, that she is. Uh, it, I was, it was so much fun uh, to watch Chicago and uh, the Aces put on a hell of a game. Bill Lambeer has a spectacular look uh, going on right now. One of the teams that I really like right now, Connecticut, they fell to Minnesota, 77-69. to There is some great, great, great basketball being played in the WNBA, man. I think, bruh, if, if, if the Aces were healthy, I think they would be they would be knocking some teams out on their way to a potential NBA championship or at least a potential spot in the WNBA championship. Uh, but the Aces, you know, even without Liz Cambage uh, and even without some of their other stars, uh, they've got a pretty damn good roster right there, as does Chicago. So that was a good game. I hope you gave the WNBA a little bit of a look uh, this weekend. It was it was um, man, it was it was good. I sat around and watched sports most of the weekend, even baseball. You couldn't get me to watch baseball in July. Unless there was, there was some meaningful pitcher matchup I needed to see, something involving Oakland or San Francisco. Uh, wake me up when we get about halfway through August. Or maybe I'll hit the snooze button halfway through August and really wake up in September. I love some of the things that we saw with the television presentations and the virtual fans that showed up on the television screen. I like the cardboard cutouts that they got. I... Making the best of a bad situation, man. That's what a lot of these leagues are doing. I think the WNBA setup is great. I think the NBA setup is fantastic. The NBA setup is going to change just a little bit uh, once the regular season gets underway, man. But there's just it's they're they're doing the best that they can, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm a hundred percent here for it, and uh, I enjoyed everything that I watched this weekend. Regis Philman passed away. Regis Philman was that. One th- the, the, the one thing that I, I really like know about Regis was one of the reasons I always really, really appreciated him is that he was a wrestling fan. And he appeared, I think, at WrestleMania 7, maybe. Appeared on camera at WrestleMania 7, I think. He, you know, he, you know, it's particularly during that, that boom period of, of the late 80s. I mean, I remember... I remember Hogan being on there on multiple occasions. I remember I remember the Ultimate Warrior being there. I remember ravishing Rick Rude having Kathy Lee spray painted uh on his tights. Uh, and then you know you fast forward a little bit. I remember the the I think it was Regis 316 or Filmin 316. Uh, I remember that when he had Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I always appreciated names like Regis who were who were wrestling fans and and got, you know, that it was a business and that it was a work and it was a show. 
and he would have guys on in their characters. And it was like, I, I loved it. And when you're interviewed by a member of, of the mainstream media, a respected member of the mainstream media, he, and the show is there to entertain the people who are watching, he always put, he never put Hulk Hogan in a position where he would look stupid. He never put Ravishing Rick Rude in a position where he would look stupid or the ultimate warrior who can't do interviews or he never did anything that would make Stone Cold Steve Austin look stupid. You know, he would, he would, always, he would always have fun when it came to the wrestlers, and I always appreciated that because oftentimes these guys would get on shows and, and, and the host uh, would, would make them look silly or attempt to make them look silly, and I always appreciated that about Regis. You know, he's 88 years old and passed away this weekend. Uh, but he was always a uh, incredibly, incredibly entertaining individual. Uh, I was never really into the uh, "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire" thing, uh, but I know that's you know he 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 introduced himself uh, to a whole new audience with that show. Uh, after you know Regis and Kathy Lee and Regis and this person and this person and that person and that show was morphed into you know 50 different things, but it's always based off of what Regis was. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for him and always appreciated uh, the way that he conducted himself. And I appreciate you as well. I appreciate you for listening, downloading, streaming, subscribing, listening. I appreciate you for supporting the dopeones.com. I appreciate you for supporting the other podcasts here on the Be Heard podcast platform. And if you haven't yet supported those podcasts, go check out the latest episode of J Street Vibes. There's plenty of Sacramento Kings talk there. Go check out the latest episode of the Deuce and Mo Show. Go check out the latest episode of the Dope Ones. Check out all of that. We're going to be adding more podcasts uh, as the weeks roll along here. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll have full coverage of the Sacramento Kings third and final scrimmage game against the Los Angeles Clippers tomorrow here on the podcast with Damon Barling.